This is Heath Padgett, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 51. The RV Entrepreneur is a weekly podcast where I interview nomadic entrepreneurs who are running a business while traveling full-time. Today, Alyssa and I are headed up to Colorado to go on a ski vacation with my family, taking the actual full week off, uh, and we are road trimming it. We're not taking the RV. We actually rented out our RV this week. Somebody's family's taking it down to Big Bend, and we're fully taking this week off. No work. I'm setting up an autoresponder in my email If you see that I have an autoresponder and then I start emailing you, tell me to shut up and go enjoy my vacation because this is the first time that we've really taken that amount of time off since we went to Alaska a couple years ago. And I I don't know why of all the things to be excited about, I'm excited about the email responder, but I am. I feel like it just marks the fact that I am out of the office and I'm okay and I Maybe I won't obsessively check my Gmail app. Maybe I'll even delete it this week for the week and just not obsessively pull it up because that's a really bad habit that I have. Something that is kind of weird about living in RV is that some people still have the perception, even though we put out a lot of content that says otherwise, that we are pretty much on a vacation 24-7. Mostly people from our hometown and things like that. But there's probably few, very few days that Alyssa and I take the entire day off. And I know that's not necessarily a good thing either because I know it's important to rest And as we're about to ramp up a full year of travel on the East Coast and hit the ground running, reaching out to campgrounds, selling them hard when we're out on the road, uh, that's a whole nother conversation I want to have with you guys on kind of guerrilla marketing tactics that we're taking with campground booking, showing up in person, calling them, emailing them. Uh, It's going to be a lot of work, but I'm pumped for it. And it'll be really nice to take a week off and just relax before diving headfirst into some of these things. Today on the podcast, I'm interviewing Joel Clark. Joel's the co-founder of RVShare, the largest peer-to-peer RV rental site currently in the RV industry. For those of you who do not know, peer-to-peer RV rentals is when you aren't using your RV and you renounce people who want to go on RV road trips, just like Alyssa and I are actually doing this week. Uh, we, we are not going to be in our RV. We took out all of our, our shirts, our personal belongings, and we rented out to a family in Austin who are taking our RV down to Big Bend for a spring break vacation with their family. We are also one of the weird people who are full-timers and have kind of mingled into this this rental space because I know for the the majority of people who are renting out their RVs, they're kind of taking it out on a few vacations a year and they're not using it most of the time. So it's sitting on a lot and depreciating. And for us, it was more of a conscious decision. We wanted to try it out. We've already talked about this on a previous podcast episode, but It was an experiment. Make a few extra bucks when we're not in the RV. It's quote unquote a passive income stream, even though there's depreciation of our RV and other things like that happening. It was more of an experiment, see how it went. And this is our third renter uh, over the past four or five months. And it's went really well so far, knock on wood. And just a quick disclaimer before we jump into this episode, RV Share was one of our sponsors at the RV Entrepreneur Summit. I interviewed Joel as part of one of our speaker sessions, and it ended up being an awesome interview for multiple reasons. I don't mean to sound surprised, Joel, but you never know when it comes to sponsors and the content. Are they really just going to be plugging and giving you service level stuff? But Joel really let us dig deep into what did the founding of the company look like, some of the biggest hurdles and roadblocks they had uh, while getting this RV sharing marketplace off the ground. And I wanted to bring him on to talk about it for a few different reasons. Within a few years uh, from RV share, Mark Jenny and Joel, the two co-founders, having this idea for renting out their RVs, they, they validated this business, uh, reaching multiple customers, and we'll share exactly how they went about validating this business. 
and gaining a ton of traction. I wanted to dig into more of these initial stages of their business to hear how they got this marketplace started. Because with any marketplace, you kind of have a chicken and an egg problem. They have to reach businesses or people who have RVs to rent out. And they're also building the initial traction of people who want to rent RVs. So it's kind of a two-pronged business approach. And so instead of having one customer, you're trying to reach two at the same time. And it's, it's really difficult. The reason why I wanted to bring him on the podcast was RVShare is one of the most trafficked websites in the entire RV industry. I wanted to share some of the SEO strategy that they use to gain traction in the peer-to-peer RV rental space and rank for keywords. And lastly, because the last few months, as I mentioned, we have rented out our RV. So I want to dig into some of the logistics and most common questions people might have if you are interested in renting out your RV and what does that look like. All right, let's get into today's show with Joel Clark. Joel, what's up, man? Thanks for being on the podcast with me. Heath, how's it going, man? Thanks for having me. Good. I feel like I just saw you like two days ago. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> we are. What are we now? About a week and a half removed from the the RV Entrepreneur Summit. Yes. I'm. I mean, we're still on a little bit. We talked about this on our last podcast. Still a little bit in recovery mode, but we're pretty much good. And I just want to say thanks again for coming down, man. It was a it was a blast. Oh, it was a, it was an honor to be a part of it. What a, an amazing group of people. And uh, it was a first class event. That was a lot of fun. Thanks for having us. Yeah, for sure, man. And just uh, for people who are listening and didn't get to come to the RV Summit, just want to throw this out there because everybody I interview on the podcast is an RV. You're not an RVer, but you did right. you did at least bring an RV to this summit. You didn't you know, show up and stay at the Hilton or anything like that. Yeah, I was kind of the black sheep of the summit, and I was the only one who didn't roll in my own rig. Um, but we're, and I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit. Um, of the founding team, my my partner Mark is the the RV owner and the the RVer, and uh, RV share has really been my baptism into the RV world. So, anytime I've needed a rig, I've just run one through RV share over the last few years. I've probably rented four or five times through RV share. And, uh, that's what I did for the summit. I had a, a camper delivered right to the, the jelly stone that we stayed at. And it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, fun, random fact. And then I want to dive into y'all story. Uh, James, um, did you meet James who was doing the live stream from the summit? Yes. So before the RV entrepreneur summit, my best friend, James is videographer, been trying to really convince him to get an RV for the past three years. Every time I see him, I'm sending him photos and, and just really trying to convince him to get an RV and he's just not having it. He, But I mean, he's self-employed, runs his own video production business. He could go wherever he wants to go and, and do these shoots. And mm-hmm. so I played a little prank on him before the summit where I posted to all of our 120 attendees that they should go up to him and say, James, where's your RV? When are you get an RV? And <laughs> after the uh, after the first night of the wine tasting, James, we were, we were going back to our RV and James was like, man, there's some people to hear that are just really... And he didn't say condescending, but he was just like, I don't even know how they know I don't have an RV. And... Uh, somebody finally came up to, I think I'm on the second or third day and just said, are you the guy I'm supposed to annoy or something like that? But we got a kick out of just giving him a hard time. So I didn't do that. I didn't do that to you because, um, I I appreciate it. (laughs) He actually, uh, James told me about that. And I think he was actually a little salty that I didn't get the same treatment. Uh, cause he asked me, this is like on the third day. Uh, we didn't meet till, uh, towards the end of, towards the end of the event, but he asked me. I guess conditioned by all the harassing that he had been getting. This is just what you ask everyone. He asked me what kind of rig I had, and I told him that I didn't own one and that I rented one. And he was like, what? Well, did, did Heath tell everyone to give you a hard time too? Because I've been getting a hard time all weekend. So, I love I'm it. Sorry, sorry, James, but uh, I, I got off the hook. Yeah. You. 
I'm not sorry, Jim. It was awesome. Anyway, so I want to dive in talking about probably the first thing that's on anyone's mind who is maybe an RVer already, full-time or part-time, is the fact that it's kind of crazy for some people to want to rent out their RV because this is a fairly new concept. Uh, When Alyssa and I first threw this out there in our Facebook group, uh, that we were thinking about renting out our RV, even though a lot of these people are our friends. Well, I think one of them was my business partner that said I was crazy. Uh, but a lot of people <laughs> were very strongly opposed to wanting to rent out their RV. Sidebar, one of my business partners did just list his RV this past week with RV Share, and he's gotten a ton of inquiries already. And he's like, I'm already thinking about of my RV in a new light because he's already had a lot of issues with it. And so he's starting to look at it as more of a passive income stream and buying a new rig. Anyway. Total awesome. sidebar. Uh, but anyway, so you guys have had to go about changing how people think of their RV because in the past you buy an RV, the majority of people, they go on one trip throughout the year and then mm-hmm. or one or two trips and then it sits in a parking lot or you know campground depreciating and they're paying monthly payments or they paid a bulk amount of cash for it and it's just bleeding cash bleeding cash really. And yep. so you guys are kind of flipping a behavior and saying, actually, you can rent this out to people various times throughout the year. So I just want to know, how have you guys went about changing that kind of fundamental behavior in the industry? Because there's so many RVs that are just sitting all the time. Yeah, that's a fantastic question. I think the I'd be remiss if I didn't start in answering that question and just saying that Timing wise, and I know a lot of your audience is entrepreneurs and they can all attest to this, how important timing is with any business venture. We're really, really fortunate timing wise. Um, You know, the sharing economy is, you know, so so in right now. It's such a kind of a hot trend that just keeps exploding. uh, Thanks in large part, you know, to the Airbnb and Ubers of the world. So the first thing just to put out there is that we are really fortunate in that we have kind of totally, you know, by accident, time this right where peer-to-peer sharing, sharing economy marketplace models like ours are becoming actually more and more mainstream. You know, it's still, there's a a whole nother issue, which is, um, you know, changing the behavior of the individual RV owner and getting them to wrap their head around someone else using their rig and staying in it for a weekend or a week. Uh, but overall, that's certainly, I would assume, a whole lot easier today in 2017 than it would have been in, say, 2007 or 2008 when the sharing economy was a totally foreign concept. So we at least have that going for us, that almost everyone is familiar with this idea in principle of someone else wants to pay me to use my stuff. That makes 100% sense. And Alyssa and I, when we were telling our her parents that we were renting out our RV, they thought, again, that it was weird and that we were kind of crazy. And they asked a bunch of follow-up questions. But Alyssa and I were kind of raised a little bit in this whole sharing. I say raised. I mean, we're 26. So it's we were you know already right. probably in our almost in our 20s by the time the sharing economy came along. But you know we're used to this concept. I can't imagine getting around without Uber or Lyft except when I come to Austin because they don't have it here anymore, which completely <laughs> right. sucks. Right. But but for the most part, Airbnb, Uber, Lyft, you know, we love these things and it's become part of all our culture. If I go somewhere and I have to take a taxi 
in my mind, I've already made up in my head that it's going to be the worst experience ever. And I know that's a yep. terrible thing, but there's just something about having that individualized experience that you get to connect with the real person. I've had so many amazing uh, trips, you know, in various lifts or Ubers and in, in different parts of the country where I meet somebody who has an interesting story. Maybe they moved here from a different country. The, the whole point is it's just created a better full around experience. And it's the reason I think they've exploded. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Totally agree with you. It is, it is funny, just the, the preconceived notions uh, that I also have towards taxis now. Like it's such a moral defeat if I have to get the yellow cab. I guess the, equi- is- I guess the equivalent of that would be for you guys, somebody having to go rent a Cruise America that's been rented 120 times versus renting somebody like my RV. Yeah, you know, it's uh, Cruise America. Had, I mean, they have uh, some unique value propositions that that we that we don't have yet. Uh, you know, the fact that they're a giant widespread fleet definitely opens up some cool possibilities. Like, you know, for someone from outside the country, they can land in New York and run a run a camper and drive it out to the West Coast and leave it there. Um, so there's, you know, not to uh, not Cruise America. They still have some very cool things going for them, but it is, you know, kind of analogous to that kind of the traditional fleet model of a business versus the peer-to-peer sharing model where every experience is a little more unique and, and hands-on and I guess just more human. Uh, but I want to I circle back to the, the second part of my answer to your question, which comes down to, you know, at, from one RV owner to the next, how do you change that person's behavior? Because, uh, you know, their, their rig is their second home. And, and the first thing I think to to put out there is that there's there's really kind of two different types of RV owners. There are those that actually get to live the dream and are in their RV all the time. Maybe they live out of it full time, but may, maybe they just travel a lot, you know, every other weekend, something like that. For those people, um, this is a massive behavior change if they want to switch to renting out their rig to other people. And a lot of those people just don't because it might not be worse to them if they live out of their RV or if they're using it all the time. It works out really well a lot of times on like holidays and full timers or home for holidays or things like that, which I think is similar to what you and Alyssa did, correct? Yeah. I mean, we've made about 4,000 extra bucks the past few months just from, you know, like this week we're going skiing in Breckenridge. We're leaving uh, in a couple of days and our rig is rented out and the same thing over Christmas and Thanksgiving and things like that. When we're out of the rig, we've done it. I'm a little bit more hesitant to do it now that we're about to hit the road for the summer and head east, just because if something were to happen in our RV, then, you know, I wouldn't want to have to be sidelined. But then again, it's my whole thing with it is there's the risk association, which is I mentally came to grips with the fact that somebody could wreck my RV and that we would be at RV and have to go through insurance and all that stuff, which the other thing is like all of these, you know, renter you every time you rent rv it's going to be insured right through you guys correct yeah correct Correct. yeah so so that worst case scenario is alleviated because the the facilitation between us and the person's renting our rv it's a family here in austin it's it's fully insured and things like that and so so my worst case scenario somebody wrecks it and you know we have to go through insurance and all that stuff the better part of it is that it creates this passive income stream that for us is uh, I make an extra thousand bucks for this five days of rental and I'm not actively working those days. It's paying us while we're on vacation. It's that quote unquote passive income for our RV. And so there's other kind of, I'm guess, worries that people would have, but that, I guess that's my kind of mindset with it. 
Yeah, and that's that is the place that most people reach once they they wrap their head around this. You know, we were saying that there's the the full timers, the people who use it a lot, where they get to a place like you, where it's like, hey, these few times I'm not using it, this thing could be could be paying me. I could make a little money while I'm with the family or while I'm away on vacation out of the rig. And then you have the majority of all RV owners who unfortunately don't get to spend nearly as much time in their rig as you and Alyssa do, Heath. The average RV actually sits for almost 50 weeks per year unused. So for, for that side of the camp, for the person who bought this rig, they never, ever have time to use it practically. It actually is a very, very easy behavioral switch because it's almost a, a relief to, to an RV owner who is still paying an RV payment 12 months a year, paying insurance 12 months a year, paying the cost to maintain their RV, and never having time to use it. You, you said earlier that these, you know, it's a situation where people are kind of just bleeding cash on just owning a rig. So for that segment of RV owners, it's actually a really, really easy behavioral change because the the counter behavior, the behavior on the other side isn't, oh, well, I, I live in this thing all the time. It's my house. For most people, unfortunately, the alternative situation is just, oh, well, it's just sitting in my driveway and I'm shelling out all this cash every month anyway, so I might as well. Um, so there's kind of those two camps. And then our job as RV share is to make the rental process as enjoyable, safe, and easy as possible. So we, our job is to wrap software around the exchange that you just had with that family in Austin to facilitate the conversation, uh, to really encourage each party to get a dialogue going. Um, one thing that we pride ourselves on is how, just how many rentals come to RV share owners, um, who are on our site. Um, you know, you said that your your partner just listed and he's gotten a ton of interest already and I'm not Before surprised. Before he even put up photos, which is crazy to me. Yeah, there there really is that much demand for rentals on RV share, uh, which we encourage our owners to, you know, take advantage of that, get a dialogue going which, with each and every potential renter and be really, really pick and choose the rentals that you want that are perfect for you. You know, whether there is a specific distance that you're comfortable with your rig going, whether there are certain types of rentals that you want to exclude, um, you know, it really is up to you as the RV owner. So the, the second piece for us after encouraging that dialogue, hey, really get comfortable with the people that you're going to be running to is don't be afraid to pick and choose which rentals you want. And then in addition to that, um, you know, I mentioned making everything safe and easy. You talked about insurance. We also provide 24-7 emergency roadside assistance to every rental. There's a security deposit in place on every rental. So there's, you know, like you you said, there there is always a worst case scenario that can happen, although, you know, it happens very, very, very rarely. But when any of those situations do happen, we have the pieces in place to make sure that you, your RV, and your renters are protected from start to finish. Yeah, I love it. I mean, one one thing that I think about is that it's given me a taste of potentially wanting to do rental property and seeing those passive income streams that can come from owning multiple properties. I've talked to Alyssa about buying another rig, even as we're out traveling and having one be stationary here in Austin and just having that be rented out all the time, hire someone to kind of, because it can't, I, I do think it can be that lucrative just from the few amounts of times that we have done this and there's such a high demand for it that I think that could be worthwhile but I want to go back to the beginning because you talked about volume 
which leads me to talk about the SEO, the whole strategy that RVShare has built up. And we'll kind of transition the conversation a little bit now that people kind of have context to what you guys are into how you Great. built this up. So Mark, your co-founder, hopped in RV around the same time as Alyssa and I, and him and his wife were also doing their honeymoon. He saw the huge need for what this was with a basic knowledge, not a basic, but pretty advanced knowledge of SEO, started attacking this problem, tested it. So how did you guys go from this initial idea? Because I, I mean, I had this idea a couple of years ago when we were out traveling and then I saw you guys and I was like, oh, somebody's already on this and they're doing a really good job on it. And so cool. I'll just maybe write some blog posts for you guys or something and support you. <laughs> but, <laughs> so how did, but how did you go from this whole idea, this concept that people should be renting out their RVs into validating it, to testing it? and to getting those initial users on y'all's platform. What did that process look like? And I, I know Mark brought you in right from the very beginning because you guys are good friends. Your wife's are lifelong best friends. And so what did that process look like from the beginning? Yeah, great question. So it's, you know, that's a, a great question with, with any business model, I think. And it's especially an important question with a, a marketplace model like ours because what we found out the hard way is really hard about building a marketplace is that you quickly run into this chicken and egg problem because you have to find both supply and demand that want to use your platform. So in other words, to I guess say that's very specifically on our website, we had to go find both RV owners and RV renters who were willing to give this a try and the hard part is that neither one of them wants to be the first one to the party. So it's it's solving that chicken and egg problem of how do you get initial traction on a marketplace. Um, I want to answer your question before that, though, because before traction came validation. And uh, you mentioned that Mark has a pretty strong background in, in SEO and uh, really user acquisition online in general. So the first thing that, that he and Pat, our, our technical co-founder, did was just threw up kind of a basic template site that was optimized for just the kind of the rawest of keywords. And then what you can do at that point is uh, buy, you can do a couple things, wait for organic traffic to find it or go buy Google or Facebook ads and run traffic to the site and see if it converts. Um, so initially the idea was validated by a combination of those things, uh, just kind of you know throwing up an optimized, very templated version of our website getting some traffic to it and seeing if people tried to use the site. And right away, they did. It was very evident from day one that Mark was not the only person who wanted to solve this problem for himself. So real, so, real, so real quick, as you're talking about this piece of validation, were you guys catering this to uh, RV owners like myself or renters or both? So the first was owner. So it was rent out my RV. Okay, Are there other gotcha. people? Because that, that was the initial question that led to the founding of RV Share. Is because you know, any, because anybody Mark will any, anybody like it's already. I guess it's already been validated. I'm sorry to cut you off. It's you're basically saying it's already been validated because people rent out RVs all the time. But would you be willing to rent out your RV? Right. That's the piece that you guys need to validate. Right. That was the big piece for us. Is are there other RV owners out there? who are actively looking to rent out their rig to other people or trying to make money off of their rig when they're not using it. Um, you mentioned that Mark and Rachel, that this, the impetus for RV share kind of came from their RV honeymoon that they took. And really the, the driving force behind RV share being born was Mark asking the question, 
what am I going to do with this thing after the honeymoon? Am I able to rent this out? Is there an easy way to do this? So it was answering that question of are there other people out there who are asking this exact same question? Is there an easy way for me to rent out my RV? So the first thing that, that was done was to find out that, yes, there are other people who at the very least are, are asking this question. They're typing into Google. They're clicking on ads that claim to have an answer for the question. There is something here. Then the second thing that we did was we, we said, okay, where are people already trying to do, the, do this without us and need us? Um, so rather than you know going back to your first question of having to reinvent people's behaviors, the question was, where can we find people who it's essentially like they're already trying to do this work and they could really use the better tools that we could give them. So the first place that we found those people was they're actually across the country where a lot of people trying to run out their RVs through Craigslist just on their own or they threw up their own WordPress website and they were trying to do it on their own without roadside assistance or payment processing or anything like that. So that was kind of our, you know, our first, you know, market of one, market of 10, market of 100 was finding those people one by one and saying, hey, we're creating a platform to do this. And then the next part of it for us was the, the lowering all barriers to entry for users on our site. So for the first year and a half, RV Share was about as simple of a website as you could find from the standpoint of signing up, from the standpoint of if you're a renter inquiring on an RV. We just made it stupid, stupid easy for anyone to do. There was zero cost. We weren't entering the, the chain of transaction at all. We are essentially just serving as a, a free connection engine to validate this idea, build the user base, and then listen to what they wanted next. So once we got that core group of owners on who like the site, they were getting rental business through the site. We said, okay, like, what do you guys, what do you guys need next? Because obviously, this is about as simple of a website as there could possibly be right now. And the first thing that people were really clamoring for was a better way to process payments, in particular, security deposits. Um, you, you know, you and Alyssa have run it out your RV, Heath. Um, fortunately, you've done it. You know, through the the current technology that's that's out there from us, but. Uh, you know, imagine how awkward it would be if when, you know, each family showed up to rent your RV, you guys had to be like, oh, also, you have to give us $1,000 cash and then trust us to hold on to it while you're out. And then when you get back, if we think that the RV is in okay shape, we will give you all of your money back or some of it, but it's up to us and we're going to hold your cash. Yeah, it's, it, it sounds super sketchy. And I know that was the same <laughs> issue with Airbnb from listening to early stories of how that all got started. Um, just because it was awkward to exchange money over hands afterwards because you're having this intimate kind of experience with somebody. You're going into right. their home and they're treating you almost like a friend, you know, how Airbnb and that's the whole peer to, that's the whole peer to peer experience. And then afterwards you're like, that'll be $2,000 and yeah, uh, 58 exactly. cents. And also you went over mileage. So that's going to be an additional $658. And it just feels weird. Exactly. Exactly. So we, we realized that there was a strong need in the market, the peer-to-peer -peer market for RV rentals, for that stuff just to happen in the background. Um, so that kind of, you know, repeating that process over and over of, you know, 
listening to to what the users want, building it, getting it out there, and then iterating again has is what's got us from that point of first validation to to where we are now, um, where you know it's a full end to end platform with secure payments, roadside assistance, insurance, the whole nine yards, but. Um, did I do an okay job answering your question of, of how things initially got started? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Mark had the idea and basically to validate that threw up some landing pages uh, on rvshare.com. And so at this point, there was no inventory, obviously, on either side. So what was the call to action? Sign up to rent your RV and we'll get back to you in you know, like due time when we actually have a, a way to facilitate that. Yeah, exactly. It was just, you know, it was essentially, uh, you know, some some copy around how much demand there is for RV rentals that you could be making money off your RV when you're not using it. You know, click here to list your RV and then capturing information and following up with those people. Uh, very similar to that initial validation to how people will test e-com products online where, you know, you kind of just throw up a product and you see if people click on buy and if they do you collect contact information and use that to, to validate the product and then reach back out once you actually have the product. So was, for anyone familiar with uh, online product validation, it really was applying that exact same model to the RV owner, to the inventory side of things to validate that initially. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're going through a little bit of the, the process right now because for with, with campground booking, it was like we went out and we uh, basically just had mock-ups of a software for campgrounds. And I took it to 15, 20 campground owners and basically said, hey, here's a system that will facilitate uh, an, you know, your online reservations for you. You're doing it on pen and paper now. Would you use this? And we had a lot. You had really good feedback from everyone. Now that we've built it and we're kind of in those in stages of it teetering on the edge of everything that they could possibly need, I'm realizing how much of a freaking pain, I usually don't curse, pain in the ass that it is to reach campground owners. Uh, and so when we hit the road this in another couple of weeks since our headed east, I'm going to be doing a hardcore tour where I'm just hustling to call, reach out to campgrounds and hustle to get them on our platform. But you gave me some good ideas and has you have me thinking more about this whole peer-to-peer model and how it pertains potentially to camping as well because I know in the beginning didn't weren't you also actively reaching out to RV dealers and almost spinning your wheels didn't you say you had spent around a certain period of time trying to just call or email and it yeah. just wasn't working yeah that's uh that's a good point this is uh we, we talked about this uh at, at length before and it comes back to what I said of I kind of skipped the part where we did it wrong. Thanks for calling me out on this. <laughs> I skipped the part where we did it wrong, and I said, "Go to the people who who are trying to do well, it without." I, you still get good. You still get good <laughs> takeaway from that. And I'm like, okay, this is how I can kind of validate a marketplace. Yeah. What, okay, no, but now, yeah. So let's hear about the stuff that didn't work. Yeah. Maybe. So the first thing that I did was went to the people who were already doing this and didn't need us, which was RV rental dealers. So. Um, it's, it's kind of instinctively where you go, just like you are with campgrounds. It's like, oh, there's these people who are already doing this exact business model. And what I bring to them is a way to do it more efficiently or in our case, you know, maybe more safely or I can bring them more business. And you think, oh, who's possibly going to say no to me? And then, you know, you call these these rental dealers on the phone and they say, well, you know, my my whole fleet is already booked out from the beginning of spring through the end of fall. Why? 
why do I need you? Why would I change my behavior? Why would I give you a cut of my business? Why would I waste my time pulling your inventory, my inventory into your site if I am already full from the beginning of the year to the end of the year? So it was total wheel spinning. That's the perfect phrase for it because what it was is, you know, it's trying to sell people something that they don't need. They're already doing this model on their own. They've already figured this all out years ago. Maybe they don't have the most efficient system, but it works for them and they don't really want to be bothered, frankly. So that was that was the part I skipped where we messed up and we tried to do that first. And what that led us to was then asking the right question, which was, where are people trying to do this, but they need something like us? And that's what led us more to finding these one-off single unit RV owners who are trying to run out their RV on their own and not having a lot of luck doing it. Mm. No, that's a great point. It definitely has me thinking about that too. And I'm I'm selfishly using this part just as uh, getting feedback for campground booking. Is that something that we're building up in real time right now? And so it's a similar struggle getting this thing going. And I'm looking at the number of campgrounds in America, North America, that are not publicly owned, that are privately owned, not part of mm-hmm. national parks or state parks or county parks. And there's roughly twenty to 23,000, last time I checked, campgrounds in North America. About half could be contributed that are private. Sometimes it's hard to find super accurate information just because some of these campgrounds don't have websites. And so there's not a really extremely good piece of uh, information out there. At least I don't know of it. Uh, I think some of the probably better resources are all stays and things that may have more up-to-date databases that could be able to provide better info. Anyway, looking at those and saying, okay, well, how much time is going to be spent reaching out to all of these campgrounds across the country? And could could I get more luck just by asking people to throw up their driveway or their uh, their ranch or their winery. You know, I know Harvest Host is huge and that's something Alyssa and I are going to, you know what, I, but that's already been validated. And so can, is it going to yeah. be easier to get a thousand locations via something like that or or by reaching out to campground owners or is it a combo? Of, you know what I mean? So that's the kind of thing that yeah. we're kind of going through at this point. Sounds like you guys yeah. had something similar in the beginning too. Yeah, absolutely. And there's no, there's no easy answer to it. And, you know, every, every market's different. Um, and I'm just selfishly, I'm super curious and excited to see how validating that path goes for you. And like, oh, does it, is it going to work the same way for, for campgrounds where you'll be able to get initial traction that way? Um, I would, I would assume that, you know, anytime you can find someone who you actually make their life easier and you're not reinventing their behaviors, um, I, I think that you will have much stronger adoption. And another important thing for anyone out there to remember who's starting a business is that, you know, every business, it starts with a market of one. You know, there's no matter what you want to do, there's a huge potential market size. Challenge number one is get one customer in the door, because once you can find a way, a model that makes one per, one person's life easier, a way to bring value to one person uh, to empower them, there's always more people like that. Um, so I'm I'm very curious uh, to to follow along with your guys' journey as well, Heath, and see um, you know where that adoption comes from. I know one thing that really became a rallying cry for us was when we we realized that our our initial traction was going to come with who we wanted to be our core user base of these private owners who never had time to use their RV and were trying to make some money off of it just to offset the cost of owning it. Um, I don't think I mentioned this yet, but our 
our mission statement. It's nowhere on our website, but it's internally, it's all over our office is it's actually we create entrepreneurs because uh, we see our mission as finding that family or that RV owner who knows that they they own what should be a valuable asset. You know, your rig is awesome. It's expensive. Your friends ask you if they can use it all the time, yet it's just kind of sucking your wallet dry, like it's costing you all your money. So it's it's helping people who instinctively have that knowledge of like, I own something of value. I should, there should be a way I can make money off this. It's giving them the tools and empowering them to become an entrepreneur. We really see our job as just to be, to facilitate the creation of entrepreneurs because what we have now is thousands and thousands of families all across the country who instead of having a money pit that sits out in the driveway, they have a small family business that sits out in the driveway. And in some cases, people end up doing actually exactly what you and Alyssa have talked about, where they go and they buy a second or a third rig and they run a full-fledged rental fleet, you know, off the family property. So, you know, it's, you never know, it's amazing how many people are out there who are are open to this and excited about it. And uh, I'm sure you guys are going to end up finding the exact same thing with campground booking. It's just finding that core user base and then replicating it really quickly. Yeah, I think yeah, if, I, I think if things tank with campground booking and they don't take off, then uh, I can always just fall back on buying several other RVs and making a living <laughs> running. And I'm almost dead serious about this just because – I've already went through this process. I think it's fun and doing I did some quick math and we talked about how our we could probably boost how much we're charging for our RV right now, but I did some quick math and at 300 bucks a night, which is it could even go for more than that RRV, which is a 2016 Winnebago Brave. And it sounds crazy for many people, but that's just the honest truth of how much many RVs rent for because yep. it's not just a place to lay your head. This is a I mean, there's also the, you're accounting for the learning curve, accountability of a new driver, the risk, the uh, depreciation that comes with more miles on your RV. So you're kind of accounting for all of these things into the cost. It's not like a house that's just sitting there. And so I was, I was doing some quick math and if we just rent out an RV for one week every month throughout the year, it's $25,000, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's no, it's no joke. People, people make very real money and that's, uh, it's what really excites us to work hard every day and make this platform better and provide more value to our users and our own, on both our owner and renter side is that there's, there's so much potential here. And if you're a family that owns an RV, it, it really, truly your RV can become a family business that you you know, run on the weekends and make significant extra income each year. And that is so rewarding to us. I love that. Well, going back to kind of the early stages of our V-Share, because I know a lot of people listening and even myself, I'm in this stage right now trying to scale something up from nothing. So you had the idea, you validated it, and then you guys poured a ton of your time and energy into SEO strategy, being able to build up y'all's website, get more traffic, reach more people. Can you talk through some of that process? Because I know you guys contributed tons of, uh, you push out tons of blog content. It was like multiple posts a day. Uh, you had good Facebook strategy. Can you talk about some of the, I guess, higher level overarching SEO strategies that you guys went about, how y'all went about building this marketplace, um, I guess, from an SEO standpoint? Yeah, yeah. So. 
I'll say yes and no to, to can I answer that question at, at, uh, at a high level for, for a couple of reasons. So one, my partner, Mark, is really the, the SEO and, and traffic whiz on our team. So I am not going to pretend to do a Mark impersonation and uh, know everything. <laughs> is Mark not handy? Or are, you, are you not in the office right now? Are you at home? Mark is Mark is is not handy at the moment. I <laughs> actually I stayed I stayed home to record this because our office is a madhouse and I want it to be nice and quiet. So I'm I'm heading in after this. Um, so that's that's one reason. But then the the second reason, Heath, I'm sure this is something that you know very well and in, in the research that you've done and you know you and Alyssa have done an amazing amazing job of quote unquote SEO on HeathandAlyssa.com just with how many things you guys are starting to rank for on your your personal website. It's crazy. And I'm sure you you know this and you should be proud of this. But there's times where I have an R V question, like at work, because, you know, all I do is sit around and, and work with RVs all day and I'll be like, oh, I wonder what, you know, XYZ question is and type it into Google. HeathandAlyssa.com is starting to routinely become one of the top five results for a lot of RV related queries or content requests that I put into Google. So um, I would say don't don't sell yourself short. You want to hear you are, the you want to hear the depressing <laughs> part of that? Sometimes I do the same thing and in a vanity way, it's cool because it does I have popped stuff has popped up before, but for instance, this is kind of embarrassing, but it was like how to cl- unclog my RV toilet and the top <laughs> top article is something published by Alyssa. I think, uh, yeah, and so I, I was like, oh, crap, so we've already written an article on this, and uh, it's clogged again, and maybe it didn't work, or, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's depressing when you Google something, and it's yourself, but for some reason, you either forgot, or that tactic isn't working anymore, because you got a new RV, so that's a interesting place to be, you know what I mean? That's, that's funny, it's like, oh, man. Clearly, I'm kicking ass at SEO, and clearly, I suck at retaining information because I forgot all about this. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Yeah, but so I, what I was going to say is, um, you know, one thing that I, I do that I do know, and I think anyone who's in the online space is learning, is that traditional SEO, um, by and large, Google has just gotten so, so good at telling whether or not you provide value to your audience. And that sounds so trite and like such a cop-out answer but google's algorithms have gotten so smart that it's not they essentially can just see value are you providing value and of course this you know they're looking at things like time on site because if you're providing value someone's not going to hit your web page and go back like do you are you showing the right content to the right people are you showing the content that you say you're showing you know for us it, it comes down a lot to like how much inventory do you have? Things like this. But overall, because I, I know that you're asking on you know behalf of your audience who a lot of them are starting their own businesses or running their own businesses online, is what we have done well and the reason that we do so, so, so well now with organic traffic and, and SEO is that as soon as this idea was validated four years ago, Every decision we've made, we've made with a very, very long-term and value-focused lens. So we have thousands of pages that rank organically for you know, so many keywords now related to RV that drive traffic back to our site. But they didn't always rank organically. They didn't, they didn't always show up on page one of Google. Side note, I just Googled rent an RV, not city or anything. You guys are the first ad and the first organic search. So. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And so what that comes from, though, is 
putting in the work and having a long-term mindset and focusing on value because Google sees those things and rewards those things and rewards them more and more and more over time. So real tact- so, so real tactically, what does value look like? Does that look like blog posts written from RVShare or does that look like individual pages for each os- for each city uh, on rent of an RVs in that city from RVShare? Like what does that value look like for you guys? And again, mm-hmm. I know I know Mark's the SEO guru, but I'm sure you have a like a basic understanding of like what that value looks like. So if I had to distill the the two things to keep in mind from Google's eyes standpoint and making sure that you're showing, you know, quote unquote, like you said, like what is that value? Is are you showing the right information to the right people? And how long are you keeping them on your website? Because that that plays out into a lot of ways. You you referenced essentially regional landers. So we do. I mean, we have any pretty much any city in the country that you search. We have a page dedicated just to inventory available in that city. So what that shows Google is that we are being mindful of exactly where someone is looking and then showing them exactly relevant content to where they're looking. Um, does that make sense with how that lines up with right, like, right, are yeah. you showing the right information totally. to the right people? Yeah. So, you know, and for you and the way that that manifests on the content side, cause there's two sides to our business from Google's eyes. There's the inventory side and then the content side on our blog from the blog standpoint, you know, it's, is it accurate long form content that's, you know, not just like in the day when people used to just do like keyword stuffing and things like that. Is it real content that is relevant to the search query? So your how to fix a clogged RV toilet example is perfect, Heath. If, if that was the title of your blog post and one sentence of the blog was about a toilet and then the rest of the blog was about why you should go to the RV Entrepreneur Summit in 2018, Google is going to see that 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 content is not relevant to the search query. You're not showing the right information to the right people. But instead, what did you and Alyssa do? Or I should say, it sounds like what did Alyssa do since you didn't remember this at all is she probably wrote a long form, amazing post with rich images, you know, really well written all about how to unclog your RV toilet. (laughs) And it sounds like, and this is what I mean, where it's, if this stuff is at the end of the day, it's amazing how it's just kind of the simple truths of provide, deliver value, think long term, put in the work to create really high quality content. Because you know that that post that you guys had, it didn't overnight start bringing traffic to your website, but people see it, they hit it, they spend four minutes reading the article because it's so well written. Google sees how long they're staying on the site. They see how relevant the content was. And over time, slowly but surely, you get rewarded for that. And it's kind of a, a rising tide lifts all ships kind of thing for the content on your website. So to anyone out there who is you know, asking that question of how do, I, how do I get my SEO going? How do I start getting organic traffic? Focus on providing value to your audience and have a long-term mindset. And it, it will pay off eventually. I love that. And so it's, it was kind of a mix for you guys of the long-term strategy of building up valuable content in the industry, getting all these pages situated, situated in the short-term uh, interim strategy to just hustle and maybe even almost manually reach out to people on Craigslist and things like that who are already renting their RV, trying to do it on their own and basically saying, we have a better way for you to do this. We can help you reach more people. We have a platform. We have a lot of things that can be facilitated for you. And so the interim strategy is to kind of hustle and get those one-to-one customers, you know, like from a one-to-one right. standpoint, get those customers. Um, 
side note, I was also getting sidetracked on Googling random search queries as as you're talking. And I typed in like apartment versus RV. And you guys are also the first thing to pop up there. It's a blog I wrote like two years ago. So you're welcome. (laughs) Not that I think that many people are Googling that, but it's just an interesting thing. If anyone's trying to figure out like, you know, what's the cost of living in an apartment versus an RV, you guys search high for that. And that's an article I wrote basically Mm -hmm. comparing how much we were paying for rent in Austin uh, versus how much it cost us to travel to all 50 states in our first year of college. So anyway, I don't know how valuable that is, that, but maybe that, for like 25 people that have searched that. <laughs> but, but that Heath, that is, and we, I think we should say this and then we should circle back and say it again, because this is how important that is. That is, this is the case in point because that may not be super valuable to everyone, but when it comes to showing the right people the right information and doing it in a high quality way, this is a perfect example. So it's, you know, if someone typed into Google cost of living in an RV versus cost of an apartment, that specific person, that unique segment of our audience or of your audience or of anyone's audience, what Google is seeing you do for them is show them the exact content tailored exactly to their question no matter how niche or specific it is and you know you wrote it so it's a top of the line article it's long form it's great content so it's it comes back again to providing value and having a long-term mindset taking the time to write a high quality article about the cost of living in an rv versus an apartment honestly that who knows if that has ever made uh a trackable difference for RV shares business overall. I'd like to think but, that it has. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sure it has. But the point, the point is whether that has or not, and it probably has, but say it hasn't, even if it hadn't, the mindset that created that article and led us to prioritize it is what empowers us to do everything else. Cause it, it's having the mindset of where can we provide value it, and knowing that there's someone out there who is asking this question So let's do the best damn job answering that question that anyone has ever done. We're going to hire the best guy ever to write this article (laughs) and we're going to get it out there. And that's, that is the kind of thing that, you know, more and more, that is what SEO is becoming. It's, it's less, you know, tactical answers of, Oh, you know, X, Y, Z keywords, you know, this, that, and the other. And it's more just the simple things of, are you serving the right information to the right people? And is the content good enough that once they get to it, they're spending some time on it? If you can just focus on those two things, it'll go a long way. And then I would also add, because there is there's some tactical stuff too, and that is where much more where you know Mark could speak to it than than I could. But I do know who we kind of idolize and we read everything that he puts out SEO-wise. There's a writer named Neil Patel. N-E-I-L-P-A-T-E-L. And he has a handful of websites, uh, neilpatel.com, quicksprout.com. And uh, we really we really look to him as far as um, kind of what tactics to employ SEO-wise. So rather than doing a poor job of summarizing those tactics, I would uh, <laughs> much rather prefer to point your audience to a true expert. Um, and that's Neil Patel. Yeah. And I I mean, he also has a podcast, Online Marketing School. They're like seven minute snippets uh, and they kind of go into various tactics, Facebook, things like that. So SEO is one of the things that we could talk about for days and days and days. And that's something really I'm just starting to dive into on a deeper level. But I think just because I focus so much on 
trying to provide value from a just a writing perspective on blogs and you know trying to put out content for people who want to you know work and live on the road uh, I've inherently I guess built up kind of I think the most important part of SEO which is just understanding how to provide good content and, and things that are valuable for people and then now I'm starting to better understand more of the tactical things backlinking kind of get into yeah. more of the details um, I yeah. remove you know remove my sidebar on my website thinking you know maybe that would uh, push down the number of email subscribers well it actually bumped up because there's less distractions I changed up the space you know Yep. There's so many things yep. I think you could probably get into right off the bat from an SEO standpoint that are really just tactical and anybody can do them. I think more importantly is figuring out like what exactly what you guys did, finding your ideal customer, finding your users and figuring out exactly what kind of content they could tear up and, you know, just yeah. love and um, it all just, this. Yeah. Absorb. Just, yeah. And just totally over deliver on value. And, and one cool thing Heath, is that the the tactical stuff a lot of the tactical stuff you're talking about like backlinking is only it's a whole lot easier to get a bunch of people to backlink to you if you're writing amazing content uh so it's you know if if you have to prioritize one before the other of oh do i do i focus on these raw tactics or do i focus on providing quality of content and over delivering on value it's a no-brainer just over deliver on value and just like you are Heath the rest of that stuff you're going to figure out as you go and it'll just start to happen organically because a lot of it just comes with providing value I love that so speaking on the note of the fact that I wrote blogs for you guys a couple of years ago before I even knew you guys before you knew me I was just cranking out random guest posts on sites because a is good for SEO and B because yep. uh, it was some of the low hanging fruit of income uh, as an RVer before we kind of figured out where, you know, how we were earning our full time income on the road. So, on that note, you guys are looking, you already have hired multiple RVers to come and work for our visa. So, I just want to give you guys a plug and say if anyone out there is listening who is interested in any type of remote work position, I know you guys have all different, you're hiring for all different kinds of stuff, but you're looking yep. specifically hire people who live work and travel in rvs correct yes correct you know our like i said earlier our mission statement is that we create entrepreneurs and though by and large that's the rv owners who are on our site renting it out um, to us it's not just limited to that you know user base we also we really really um you know strive to empower RV owners who are on the road full time to become entrepreneurs as well. So yeah, if you are, if you're on the road, if you're an RVer and there's something that you're world-class at, there's a way that you can use RV share to empower your entrepreneurial lifestyle um, using that skill. So whether you're a content writer, a photographer, a videographer, um, you know, sales, marketing, a programmer, designer, um, we have had great success hiring from, you know, the, the full-time RVing community is just uh, an amazing group of people. We're so proud to be a part of this community, just the RVing community overall. Um, it's amazing people. And uh, yeah, if, if you are, are interested in working with us, uh, drop me a line. My email is joel at rvshare.com, J-O-E-L at rvshare.com. Tell me what you're good at and we'll figure out a way to work together. Awesome, Joel. Uh, last question I have for you, man, is what does uh, success look like for you in this lifestyle as you're building up RV share and empowering uh, RV entrepreneurs? Great question. So success, there's there's two answers to this. One is, you know, entrepreneurship should always be fun. You know this better than anybody, Heath. Like building building your own business um, 
really building anything. Sometimes I feel like it's the opposite of that because well, that, that's my point. <laughs> it's, 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 it's so much work. It's so much work that at the end of the day, during the day, yeah, you're going to be pulling your hair out. But if at the end of the day or at least once a week, you can't step back and be like, damn, this is fun. Then it's time to get out. It's time to find something new. And, you know, even though RV share is become a really really large company we still have that mindset of like this is so much fun and we always want to keep building it away and that it is fun for us as founders for our team for our users for everyone who kind of comes into our ecosystem this should be fun so the first thing is success just looks like having fun while building an amazing community to us and then the second part kind of more long-term tactical what is success to us is we think that the the RVing industry is such an amazing industry that is so in need of disruption. Uh, there, it's it's kind of behind the times. And what we really love doing is really leveling the playing field, making this a more democratic industry, which I think naturally happens anytime you introduce a, a peer-to-peer model. Um, you know, there's for example. There is about 10 times more demand for RV rentals than there is supply available anywhere in the country, whether it's Cruise America or dealers or us or anybody. There's just way, way more people who want to experience this lifestyle than there are RVs available to, to let them do that, uh, which is a great problem for, for us to try to solve here. There's so many things like that that are uh, kind of like market inefficiencies or just places where the industry really needs you know what we we bring to it so for us it's improving the industry it's improving every part of it that we touch that our ecosystem touches making it more user-friendly more consumer-friendly more fair more equitable and at the end of the day for us we think the answer to all that is creating as many rv entrepreneurs as possible so um, that's what it all kind of boils down to for us is have fun and let's create as many rv entrepreneurs as possible I love it, Joel. Thanks so much for being on the podcast with me, man. And uh, people can find you guys at obviously rvshare.com and hit you up on Twitter at Joel Clark. Uh, well, let's give them the RV Share Twitter, which is, I believe it's still at RV Share Online. We need to, we need to work on getting our, our core handle <laughs> right now. It's at RV Share Online. Awesome, man. Thanks so much for being on the podcast with me, Joel. Hey, thanks for having me, man. It's been great. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in. If you want to grab the show notes from this episode, head on over to our website at heathandalyssa.com and click on podcast. Thank you guys so much again for leaving reviews, listening, emailing me, tweeting at me, and for some of you for showing up at the RV Entrepreneur Summit and letting me know that you've listened to so many episodes of the podcast. It means so much to me. And on a separate side note, I also feel like it gives me a higher level of accountability to you guys to keep cranking out episodes, make sure that they are really great quality and putting out the content that you guys want to listen to. So as you have ideas for future episodes, whatever you'd like to hear, topics that I haven't covered yet, feel free to email me as always, heath at campgroundbooking.com. And I can't promise that I will get back to you this week because we are taking the week off and you will get my autoresponder. If I do email you, Tell me to shut up and go ski and have fun uh, because you do need to take time off from time to time. Thank you guys again, and I'll see you all next time on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast.